Kira and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO in Asia-Pacific, and I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Teresa Pollard. Teresa is Tepokenga's Chief Digital Officer. Teresa has more than 20 years experience leading executive engagements and diverse teams in Aotearoa, Singapore and New York. She is also on several New Zealand boards and is committed to mentoring rangatahi across Aotearoa. Welcome, Teresa. Kia ora. Kia ora, tēnā koe kethi and uh, tēnā koutou katoa um, to all of our listeners. Um, ko wai tēnei, uh, ko Teresa Pola tuku ingoa, um, ko Ngāpui Ngāti Kauhu ki Whangaroa me Ngāti Kauwhata, um, ko he paurangi matahiko o te, te pūkinga. So, a big welcome. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Teresa Pola is my name, Chief Digital Officer for Te Pūkinga, which is um, the coming together of all of the vocational education institutes in New Zealand. Um, I papa from the north of um, Aotearoa, New Zealand, which is where my tūpuna, my ancestors are from, um, a little place called Kaio, which is you blink and you miss it, um, also um, down to fielding. Um, so that's a little bit about me, a pleasure to be here, thank you. Kia ora, tanakwe. Um, so you mentioned there um, the, 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 your organization to Pukenga. So it's a relatively new organization, um, but indeed, you know, many well-known brands are involved in, in the organization. So can you give us a bit more um, of an overview of, of Te Pukenga and its kaupapa and, and what you're striving to do there? Absolutely. So thank you. So Te Pukenga um, was uh, an idea um, um, come about in terms of the reform of vocational education, um, which was the, the brainchild of the team and, and the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, um, basically looking at the reform of vocational education, what was working and what wasn't working um, for students. And what was apparent through a lot of research and work was that there was a um, continual decline for priority learners. Priority learners are those Māori um, Pacifica and those who um, have a disability. So what we've seen is a real decline of access, opportunity, um, continuance of completing vocational education. And so um, after reviewing all that and looking at the vocational edu education entities across New Zealand, there were 25 um, across the Across the country, it was about bringing um, all of them together and trying to um, look at Tapukinga coming together to redefine and reimagine higher education, vocational education, and creating one unified experience for all akonga or learners across the country, regardless of your location, regardless of your background, of your culture, um, where you've come from, so that everyone has equitable access to vocational education in this country. And how are how's your team supporting that then? Um, so when it comes to um, the digital team specifically, um, it's an interesting um, time because it's all about transition and then transformation. So when you've got 24 entities who have operated individually for many years, some have been part of the public sector, um, the likes of our Polytechs, um, so our Otago Polytech, Unitech, Manukau Institute of Technology, ARA, um, and then we've got our um, training institutes. Um, so the likes of BCITO, some of our learners might have um, 
for our um, audience may be familiar with, primary ITO, it's the apprenticeship kind of world, builders, um, trades, those types of things. So they all kind of came together. And with that is 24 different IT and digital teams, 24 different instances of systems, um, and as an amalgamation, thousands actually of software applications and systems. So, you know, with that comes the, you know, at the center is how do you bring a team together, not just the platforms and the integration, how do you actually bring a team? So culture is at the center actually of everything um, right now and trying to work out how do we support that? How do we keep the lights on for what we're doing today and recognize the amazing work that already happens on a day-to-day -day basis? while reimagining what vocational education could look like and what could be the digital um, platform and architecture supporting systems and experience that could be the foundational element for how we achieve that. So it's it's a it's a big role and you know a huge opportunity as you said there to to reimagine education. And um, mm. so transformation has been a huge part of your career to date. You've worked for massive um, overseas and, and you know very well known uh, New Zealand brands. You know J.P. Morgan Chase in the U.S. and got the likes of of Microsoft and NZT here in Aotearoa and of course Datacom, which is a very well known New Zealand um, organization. So can you talk us through, I guess, your approach to transformation and, and how it's taken shape throughout your career? Yeah, certainly. So um, I've had the great privilege of, of, I say, working through all those wonderful companies and being under the leadership of some amazing people. Um, and what I've learned through that career and, and the privilege of where I am today is that there's a real um, theme, you know, that kind of comes to the forefront for me. And that's about people and our customer. So for me, transformation is about how do we do things better that potentially haven't been done today? How do we think about the transition and transformation of recognizing the legacy of what has been done up until now and then potentially doing that differently? So, you know, how does technology and digital um, experience, how does that play a role really in, in knitting yeah, all of those things together, because what I've learned is that technology on its own is, um, you know, not that great if we don't have people who understand it, who connect to it and who see the value. Um, so, you know, what I've learned through um, all of those through my career up until now is that if you can authentically engage, if you understand your purpose, your why, and for me, it's about servant leadership, how do you help elevate and bring others and empower them, you know, to recognize and stretch themselves, but bring everyone around you. It's not just about the technology. For me, it's about the business. It's about, you know, how do we engage with our customer? How do we make sure that their experience is a great one? Making sure that they come back, um, that they feel valued, that they feel heard, and that they feel that we're providing the right services um, that support them, not only for our students, our akonga, um, but our employers who are equally so important to us and making sure that our students learn, but they get a great job at the end of it and they continue to be lifelong learners that sees them um, on a career directory upwards where they are in roles that make them feel good, that make them realise um, and activate on their purpose, but see them earning well and seeing them have a prosperous life. Indeed. So just delving into that, I guess, a little bit further then, how is that digitisation programme at, um, 
at your organization tracking? You know, you, you mentioned there, there's a, a lot of teams that you have to bring together. Um, so where, where are you at in that transformation journey? Um, so we're, we're ahead of actually um, where I'd hoped, which is lovely because um, um, for those of you who would understand that in the situation today, when you're trying to bring teams together, that means that we are looking at existing leadership teams, amalgamating leadership teams, working out what's the right structure, what's the right um, integration of teams between you know, what's previously been an IT team versus a digital experience team and how they work with a business. It's not just one model. I've got 24 different models, right, that we need to bring into um, a single way of working. So that's, you know, complex and there's a lot of listening involved in working that through. But where we've got to now is we've got six major projects on our horizon. It's about really understanding, you know, and completing our ISSP, um, getting that, that ready so that, you know, we have the view to the horizons and where we're going, the business priorities and how that comes together and how digital provides the acceleration for that. It's um, forming the enterprise architecture, the technology roadmap, and really getting us towards a, a view around single systems, you know, because we've got our big major systems in terms of how we operate is the learning management system, right, which is how we teach. Um, there's a CRM component to that, which is critical because it's about engagement with our customer. We have a student management system um, um, role to play in that, which is about auditable compliance and, and, and how we get paid and how do we work with our um, commissioning bodies as well. Um, and then all the standard ones you think of, you know, the payroll, I've got 24 different payrolls, Kathy, I've got 24 FMIS's, um, all those types of things. So, you know, the likes of FMIS, digital workplace are already underway. We've already released the, um, the FMIS RFP. We've already closed there. We're working with um, selection of vendors now, and that's very exciting to be able to bring control to the financial environment, right, and give us visibility to how things are working across the country. And in parallel, looking at our digital workplace, how do we bring, uh, you know, 24 active directories together into one so that everyone can be on the same Teams channel, everyone can have the same email address, all those types of things. We're really important for cultural transformation, for people's identity to Pukinga when they've had an identity to an individual identity, um, an entity for a number of years. So you mentioned there, you know, it, it's really complex and, you know, any change can be challenging for people. Um, so what in your, you know, drawing from your experience, um, both, you know, in, in, your, in your current role, but also in previous roles, you know, when you're undergoing that change management, what are some of kind of the roadblocks or, or big challenges to be aware of um, when, when you're undergoing this journey? And how can they either be avoided or, or mitigated? What, what, what do you think about that that might be the, I guess, the, the sticking points when, when you're starting out? Um, the biggest one for me is communication. Yeah, I would say that would be the biggest thing. And when I first took this role on um, July last year, um, the first thing I did was get out on the road. We've got campuses, we've got entities all over the country, and I spent um, the better half of two months getting around. I did about like 50 flights. It was a bit crazy. Um, but I went out. I wanted to be on the ground. I wanted to listen. I wanted to see. I wanted to hear from the people that are doing the job on the front line. You know, what are they experiencing? What is their day-to-day -day role? Where do they see the opportunity? And I think it's those types of things where I've learned through in the last 20 years how to listen, how to just 
not react to everything, how to think about what people are saying, take that on board, process it, understand it, and then give people a sense of where you're at today. What does the plan look like? How do they be part of it? How can they contribute? What is their role? Um, so that they don't feel that things are being done to them, that they've played a role in you know, contributing to the future because that's been part of their lifehood, right? That's what they've been doing for the last how long. And you know, it's what I've learned is it's not the job of a new leader to come in and tell everyone what to do. It's about understanding and recognizing the great things that are already happening today but to give people a sense of when we're a national entity and when we're thinking about countrywide transformation at scale, how do we put things through a bit of a, a mode, a channel that you know gives people an appreciation for something's worked here, how do we make it work for everyone? So otherwise we've got this real balance, you see, and inequity because it works really well in one place and doesn't work well in another. So again, it's um, communication is, is critical. Um, you know, people are at the centre of every, the centre of the change. You know, without without great people, you know, we never can, we can't deliver to the transformation and what's required. So having, um, getting people around the table, hearing their views, getting them to put forward their solutions and ideas, um, that's really critical in a large transformation like this. Um, but it is complex because when you've got, you know, close to 12,000 staff, which is what we have, it's, it's a lot of voices. And we've got to work through a sequence of how we um, get the voices out, um, hear them in the right way and help us to make informed decisions that make a difference. Absolutely. I love that. You know, it, it really is about people being brought along on the journey, isn't it? And change not being done to them, but they're actually part of, of enabling change and, and, and giving their feedback. Um, so you mentioned um, um, uh, a couple of times now around, you know, the equity piece. And um, mm. I'm just really curious on, on your view on, on how do we use technology to, to better enable um, education outcomes for orangutahi, whether they be in, you know, primary, secondary or, or, or third level or vocational training? How can we better leverage tech to, to enable our, our young people? Um, so I think, you know, one of the main things for that is really just understanding what's important to them. You know, what's important to our 15 to 24 year olds is different to our 50 to 70 year olds, right? Because they just process in a different way. And we've got to be able to think about how do we, um, how do we create a platform view that allows configuration and personalization to meet the needs of that customer segment, right? That's kind of how I, how I think about things. And again, how do we um, think about you know, what they face on a day-to-day -day basis. We've done a lot of work on personas to really understand, you know, what it what it means to be a learner in Tairawhiti in Gisborne. What does it mean to be a learner in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland? You know, what, uh, what do they face on a day-to-day -day basis? What does it mean for them when they, you know, have to go on and fill out a form? How frustrating is that? And I'll tell you, you know, example is that we've got 24 enrollment forms today. Not a surprise because you know students um, need to enroll and apply and you know some of the forms are five pages long and some forms are one page long again that's about us understanding how can we create something that is more equitable and accessible to everyone how do we um you know think about how do we make their life easy not just you know fill out the things that have been part of our compliance or part of our auditing how do we actually reframe and redesign for them? I had someone tell me an example the other day, we buy 
and they're at another institute um, who remain nameless, um, but they, they said their daughter's studying at this institute. And, and she said, you know, she's like, why, mum, does it mean that the IT team think that it's really great for us to design all these different portals that they think are good for us? Um, but in fact, you know, we're G Suite users. All of us use G Suite. That's what we use. You know, that's what we've learned to use at school. Yes, and we know we've got all these other suites with Microsoft and we get it. We understand all those things. But, you know, for us, that's just another email and another portal and another login and another all these things. And they're like, this is very frustrating. Because they're like, from our perspective, how do you make it easy? You know, how do you bring the two things together and make it easy for us rather than making it harder? And so from their lens, it's quite interesting, actually. You walk in their shoes, that's that's the world that they work in, right? That's what they see. And again, it's about us re-looking at that, understanding the journey that they walk and how do we redesign for them? Because it's a pukinga. Everything for us is about designing for Māori Pacifica and those with disabilities. We absolutely believe at our centre. If we design for them, we design for everyone. And that's, again, and this is where it becomes hard. That means we have to change the way that we've done things today. That means we have to reimagine um, how processes work today. Because if we look at the data, the personas, um, the feedback that they've given us, a lot of those processes don't work for those learners today. And they're falling out. If we look at traditional, if we look at our language, sales funnel, if we look at engagement funnel, they fall out early because the process doesn't work. It's hard. Um, they don't understand it. Um, they find it difficult to, you know, find the right documentation. They don't feel it's inclusive. And then they don't get access to the right services um, because they're not served up in the right way, potentially. So this is where digital can make a really demonstrable difference. It's about designing for an inclusive and equitable lens and making sure that we welcome everyone in. And our values, Manawaroa and Manawanui, they're our values. It's a pukinga, welcome in, bring in have everything available as much as we can so that we can provide and insert the right services and support that suit the needs of those learners when they need it most. Now, talking about, you know, the learners of today and the learners of tomorrow, one area where there's certainly been a lot of chatter about um, of late is, is things like ChatGPT and, and generative AI. Do you think there's a role for generative AI in, in the education system? I mean, are you looking at any kind of policies around AI use? And, you know, do you see a benefit in, in, in using it in the, in, in the education system? Yeah, I think, you know, it's just a train that we just can't stop. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, again, rather than trying to push against it, we have to try and work out how to make it uh, work in the best use case for, for the situation in which we're in. I think there's a lot of discovery that has to be done. There's a lot of unknownness. I mean, um, you know, myself, the rest of our team, a lot of our team across the Pukinga, they all use ChatBG. They're like fascinated by what it can what it can deliver, right? Like it's really fascinating. Um, and I think, you know, there's uh, lots of pluses to that, but there's lots of minuses as well. I think, you know, with technology, like anything, and there'll be the next thing that'll come and the next thing that'll come. That human component, is always going to be there and for me the most critical and for our, our staff and you know how do we then combine and utilize and leverage these types of technologies around AI use it in the right way that's safe that protects our information that thinks about our data as a tongue as what it is and making sure that we have the right protections but we allow the right innovation um, 
because that innovation could create a lot of opportunities, especially um, for access, especially for those um, with disabilities where we've seen the use of these types of AI technologies that are disruptive, that provide better access and better opportunity. Um, and so how do we you know, allow that to happen in a protective and careful way, which is what we're trying to discover and work through um, with, um, with my colleagues as well right now and think about the right policies for how we navigate this. Indeed, yeah, it's such a, a fascinating area, and who knows yeah. this time next year where where GPT will be, and and uh, yeah, the policies that we might have to look at around it. And um, yeah. so, then, can you tell me, um, Teresa, you know, as CDO, how are you, I guess, influencing and and collaborating with your colleagues um, on the leadership team and, and the wider organisation? Yeah, I mean, um, my role sits on the executive leadership team, so um, I have the privilege of, um, you know, being part of that and having an equal role as everyone else on on our decisions going forward. Um, and that, you know, I have to say um, for my CEO, Peter, who's a wonderful leader, um, who understands the power of of digital. Um, he's really interested in disruption. He's interested in also recognizing what's been working well and what we need to do going forward. Um, but he's, you know, he he's really helpful in that in terms of a leader to really recognize there's innovation, there's how we've done it today, there's how we could do it tomorrow, and how do we as a leadership team come together to look at those things and work out what's the best sequence. Yeah, it's always sequencing. What do we do next? What will be the ripple effect of that? How do we manage integration? You know, and it's that real connection between myself and my other deputy chief executives who are, who are a wonderful bunch of people who I'm very honored to um, be part of, is that, you know, their knowledge, I mean, all of them come from higher education, actually. I'm the only one who doesn't come from higher education um, and vocational education. Um, and that their experience, we always find it's they've got a lot of experience and I've got some different ideas and it's about how we bring those together um, to help us make the right decisions going forward. But it's a really inclusive, welcoming, free space for us to throw out these ideas and really think about what's best um, for our community and for those that we serve. So the role of CIO, CTO, Chief Digital Officer is changing. And I think, you yeah. know, it's definitely come into sharp focus since the pandemic and everyone realized they needed to, you know, have, have better strategies, both internally or for their customers. But what do you think, I guess, are some of the key attributes of um, a successful modern day IT or digital leader when it comes to leadership? Um, you know, a couple of things for me, I mean, I say for me, it's about servant leadership. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that works very, very well for me. And I, and I expect other people to have different styles. But I find um, that opportunity to be able to empower others um, and have allow them to have their stretch and to always be thinking about who can replace you. Um, always as well, right, through that journey and preparing others for their next step. Um, I think, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a business leader not a technologist. I've, I've been raised in technology for sure. I've had lots of technology type roles, but I'm about commercialization at my center. I'm about customer at my center and about how to use the lever and leverage of technology in order to drive um, our business priorities and outcomes. Um, the other part of that would be the two biggest parts for me is you know the innovation and its pace. So how do we kind of recognize that and how do you stay ahead? right, of those type of trends and where things are going. Data, obviously, at the centre of everything we do, so we can really use the power of AI to look at predictive um, decision-making to help us make the right decisions. And lastly, and most importantly, cyber. 
for it to be embedded in everything that we do and to make sure that it's not um, you know, the thing that stops us from doing things but allows us to be able to do things because it's naturally embedded in everything um, that we do. And we have in a we have we use education as a way to embed, to inform, to help people understand protection of their data um, and how that plays a role personally and professionally in the work that they do. So, you know, for me, that's about a modern leader today, one that you can trust, one that's authentic, one that says um, and does what they say they're going to do, and one that listens well. And I, I love that point as well about sharing that responsibility when it comes to cyber as well, because, you know, sometimes I think CIOs and, and CISOs feel it's all on them. But as, as you mentioned, it is that education piece and, and sharing that responsibility for, for security across across um, across the organization. And yep. um, so, um, Teresa, you're one of very few women CDOs or CIOs that um, I've had the privilege of speaking to. So I'm curious then um, about your thoughts on how can we A, get more um, wahine into um, senior IT roles and also more wider than that. You know, why do you think New Zealand has such a problem getting um, attracting more people from from other communities, getting more Maori, getting more Pacifica, getting more different ways of thinking into IT roles? Are there any kind of practical things that can be done to have a workforce in in New Zealand that better reflects the Aotearoa that we live in? Yeah, I think we all have to join up, right? There's a lot of great examples in the community and I've had the privilege of working um, in, and engaging with lots of great entities who are doing work to be able to lift diversity in the sector. Um, but the needle's just not moving fast enough, right? So we all have to, you know, play a real um, clear and informed role in making sure that we lift everyone up as much as we can and bring them right into the space. You know, I was speaking to um, on a radio interview yesterday, in fact, and you know, and people just think that IT is scary. They're just not really familiar with it. Um, you know, this was about cyber cyber um, cybersecurity roles, and you know, do you have to be a coder and do you have to have all these credentials? And we've just launched a micro credential with Microsoft with Tupu Tour um, and with Tufatu Water and a bit of a combination there to think about how do we bring more diverse people into the sector. You know, one um, one of the last CISOs I spoke to said to me, look, there's a role for everyone in cybersecurity. If you've got basic numeracy and literacy, you can learn cyber. Like really we can, we've just got to break it down and make it not so scary. And we've got to take a, we've got to take a chance. We've got to give people an opportunity. And so that means, you know, more internships, more bringing more graduates in, thinking about what also a graduate is. There's three year degrees. Yes, there's always going to be those. And there's our computer science graduates that come out of that and that's great. But we've also got this micro credential. Our Māori and Pacifica people, um, and I say that because I'm one of them, it, it, you know, for us, it's about, you know, we can't just necessarily sometimes just do three years of study. It's just not, you know, not viable. We've got to be able to work. We've got to be able to provide and contribute to our whānau as well as learn. So how do we make it easy to be able to learn in smaller blocks so we can actually still have a job? How do we earn while we learn so we can do these things to make it accessible? And that's a role for Tapukinga as well, bringing in the likes of micro-credentials, looking at stackable qualifications that make it easy and accessible for people to enter the, the industry. And then importantly, out to all of my colleagues in the ecosystem is, how do we work with you as Tapukinga, get people ready, right, more productive, 
um, so that when they enter the workforce, they are they're you know helpful and productive. They can be able to deliver great things, but they bring that diversity of thought. They think differently. They've come from a different background. If we look at our customers that we're trying to design for going forward, our customers are diverse. So what greatness we could have by having diverse teams who think differently, who um, see a different lens to help us design great products and services going forward. And so that's me about, you know, as a leader, how do I um, eat my own dog food, which is about creating diverse, diverse teams and making sure that my, you know, my teams going forward are representative of those that we serve so that the right voices, you know, are at the table and that we look at all the lenses. Um, as we make informed decisions going forward. But it's hard, Cathy, it's really hard. I mean, I don't I don't know another Māori female chief digital officer in a role like mine. I'm looking for them, trying to find the group. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to find. Um, and there's lots more females coming through as well, but um, those that are Māori or Pacifica, um, very small group um, as well. And I'm, I'm hoping for that to grow. So the more that I can do to inspire um, more of our people to enter the sector and to lay the pathway for them so that they have every opportunity is what, you know, what keeps me going every day. So there's getting people into the industry and you mentioned some very practical things there around internships and, and making it accessible and thinking more broadly about what people may need in terms of not signing up for a three-year full-time degree, for example. Are there any other kind of things um you think can be done not only to attract people into the industry from different backgrounds, but also, I guess, to make them stay and make them feel like this is a space for me. I can be myself in this space. You know, you mentioned there that your approach is that, you know, it's an inclusive organization. What kind of things can be done, I guess, to, to create that, that great internal culture that makes people feel like they can belong and be themselves? Yeah, I mean, absolutely right. They come back to the cultural piece again, right? Is that, you know, when we mean culture, we don't just mean one. It's about multiple cultures. It's about bringing that diversity in exactly what you say. I want people to feel that they can be who they are, um, you know, and be your real self. And we've all been in situations where, you know, we've grown up um, in different careers and we've had to, you know, be more of something or less of something or whatever it may be. Um, I... I will say that myself, coming to where I am now, I am relentlessly myself and no one else. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blunt about that. Um, and I have the gratefulness and privilege of being able to do that now, but that wasn't how things were for me in the last 20 years. Um, and so, you know, these are the things now I want to make sure that you create, whether it's rituals, uh, practical opportunities for people to connect, people to be able to share stories, um, people to be able to be at the front of designing solutions that, would be about the lens that they can see. Um, there's lots of ways to be able to do that. But for me, ultimately, it's about being authentic and and recognising that everyone has a voice. And it's, again, listening to the voice and then making changes because of it, not just listening to the voice and not acting. So if there was someone out there who was listening or watching this interview and they are, um, you know, uh, a Maori or Pacifica or even just a young Wahini who really wants to um, be a chief digital officer, run a team, be a senior member uh, in an organization. What, what, what advice would you give them? Keep going. Push hard and double down on who you are. 
Um, I, I feel like I, and I learned this from someone else the other day, actually, but I have an unfair advantage being Māori because I, all, I already feel very connected to who I am and what I stand for. And for that, for me, is gratefulness and privilege to have the confidence to be who I am. Um, and so, you know, my advice to other people from both Māori and Pacifica and other cultures is to be authentically who you are and don't ever question that because that is your superpower. And in fact, when you combine um, the knowledge that you'll learn and the knowledge that you'll um, grow into, the leaders that you'll work with, the coaches that you'll have or mentors that you'd bring into your into your learning, um, that having that cultural connection, whatever that may be, whether it's a higher power, a spiritual power, a connection to your culture or to your ancestors, whatever it may be, but in cementing your path forward, that is the centre, actually, um, of everything to help and guide you going forward. And I will say that when you get to um, a role like mine, we have to make big, complex decisions. When there's a lot going on, people say to me, how do things not become overwhelming because there's so many things going on at once? And I say to them, absolutely, um, there's lots going on. I'm a human. It's overwhelming. But what I do to help reset is I, as I stop I think about my ancestors. I think about what they sacrificed. I think about the pathway that they laid down for me. And I take honor in that. And then I help that to give me clarity about the decision that needs to be made and who it is we need to make it for. And again, that's again, an opportunity for me to be centered and listen to the voices of those who have gone before me. And that helps me in my future. And so the biggest thing I can give is that our people from different cultures, whatever culture that is, they recognise and can connect to that and understand it, and they just need to recognise to dial that up. And they will be there for people like ourselves to help them on that journey as well. Beautiful. Great advice. Um, so, you know, you've mentioned it's, it's a busy time. You've got um, a, lot, a, a lot to get through. So what's important to you in the months ahead? Um, in the months ahead is um, making sure that we deliver some fundamental things that we need to for our government and um, for our minister and for our stakeholders, but most importantly to our learners and our employers, they're our customer. So for me, it's about action. Um, when I came in, there's been a lot of work being done. It's been a lot of great mahi, discovering and learning things. I'm about rapid prototyping, ideation to prototype, to, to realism, practicalness getting that into design and getting us to a sense of clarity. So, you know, I've been inserting um, a lot of the work that I've learned over my career, which is about how to do things fast, how to take agile and sprint-based methodologies to deliver quickly so that we can demonstrate that we are doing things differently, we're adding value, and we can say to our learners and our customers and our community, this is why Tapukinga resist. This is why we're bringing together the amalgamation. This is why equity is at the centre. This is how we're making, we're changing the barometer and we're making um, a difference. And under that is, you know, all the stuff that you'd expect, technology roadmaps up the wazoo, Cathy, and, and architecture and all the lovely things that you would expect. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, all of that, what does that mean to our learner? That's internal stuff. That's things we have to do. What's important? is that I deliver something to our learners and that helps them improve their day and gets them closer to where they want to be. And that's what's most important to me that I do that. And I continue to do that in a continuous way that I can point to and demonstrate. 
Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing the fruits of your mahi in the months and years to come. <laughs> Teresa Pollard, Chief Digital Officer at Te Pukenga, thank you so much for your time today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Been a pleasure.